The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Gentlemen, ladies, allow me to clue you to a few rude awakenings. For those of you that think Canada is a mom-and-pop operation, it's time to wake up and smell the snow. Fact. Canada is now the second largest country in the world. Fact. Canadians freely cross over our borders, walking among us undetected. Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, August 1st, 2019. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be The People's Party of Canada, otherwise known as the PPC, this past week announced its immigration and U.S. border policy, including building a fence at the U.S. border. One of the issues we'll be dealing with as we continue with our second look at the launch of the PPC. We titled last week's show, For the People, and it was all about our own coverage of the People's Party of Canada when they announced their slate of candidates in my electoral area of southern Ontario. It might be more appropriate to title today's show Against the People, as our focus will shift to some of the opposition to the People's Party of Canada, an opposition comprised of the left, of course, and the leftist media, which is already positioning itself to smear the PPC and its supporters with the usual verbal assaults of racism, hate, conspiracy, and all of those other terms that can only accurately describe the left. We'll take a look at where all this could be heading. Right after, we remind you that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, and follow us on SoundCloud, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, our archive broadcasts, and of course where we encourage you to offer your financial support and in so doing, become part of our effort to enlighten others about the true nature of freedom and capitalism. Now, if you missed last week's show or you need a brief recap, you'll recall that Just Right regular contributor Salim Mansour has joined the team of Maxime Bernier's newly formed People's Party of Canada as that party's candidate for the London North Centre riding, heading into the October 21st Canadian federal election. Both Salim and Maxime joined us last week to tell a story that you'll likely not hear in the mainstream media. Having already spent 10 months campaigning to be nominated as the Conservative Party candidate for the riding, Salim's Conservative candidacy was rejected on the grounds that his views would be considered Islamophobic one of the many critical issues that the Conservative Party of Canada refuses to discuss. Given that Salim's views on Islamism and globalism have long been known far and wide, it was disgraceful that the CPC allowed him to campaign on that party's behalf for so long before rejecting his candidacy. Fortunately, Salim's voice will not be silenced during this election, thanks to the PPC and Maxime Bernier's principled support of freedom of speech. Regrettably, the mainstream media will do all it can to prevent Canadians from discovering the true nature of the PPC, and evidence is already mounting to illustrate this fact. 
whether through the spreading of fake news or by reporting no news at all. The institution that was once the fourth estate continues to abandon its responsibility to the people it was intended to serve. This is a tragedy that cannot be understated. So I'll begin by overstating it, beginning with the London Free Press coverage of the same event that we at Just Right recorded in its entirety and posted on our YouTube channel. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. There is so much wrong with this following London Free Press news item that it seems to me to be a perfect exhibit to demonstrate how the mainstream media bends and twists the facts to create a misleading or false narrative in the minds of its readers. Here's the headline. People's Party Unveils Close to Full Slate of Candidates in Southwestern Ontario, written by Sebastian Braun of the London Free Press on July 19, 2019, appeared in the print version of the London Free Press on the 20th. Quote, As his Tory breakaway party gears up for the fall federal election, Maxime Bernier announced a near full slate of candidates in southwestern Ontario ridings on Friday. The People's Party of Canada leader greeted dozens of supporters and introduced more than 35 candidates for ridings ranging from Windsor to Mississauga at a London event. Three of the four London ridings have PPC candidates. Mike McMullen will run as a first-time candidate in London West. Ken Gilpin, who made two failed federal runs with the Reform Party in the 1990s, will run in Elgin, Middlesex, London, and Salim Mansour, a Western University professor and avowed critic of Islamic extremism, will run in London North Centre. London Fanshawe, which will become an open seat with veteran NDP MP Irene Matheson retiring, is the city's only riding without a PPC candidate. Ten other candidates, seven in the London region and three in Windsor, round out the PPC's roster in the wider area, a conservative rural stronghold, but NDP and Liberal dominated in the big cities. A former Conservative cabinet minister, Bernier broke from the Tories to form his new party that represents the first serious splinter challenge to the Conservatives since the Brian Mulroney era, when breakaway movements led to the creation of both the Bloc Québécois and Reform. The party has been dogged by early growing pains, including the resignation earlier this week of an entire riding association board in Winnipeg over concerns about racism among supporters. Bernier's party, which bills itself as an advocate of key conservative principles, might siphon votes from the Tories because both share similar values, said Peter Wollstonecroft, a retired University of Waterloo political scientist. The Conservatives are basically running about 35% in the polls, and if Max Bernier and his party take 1 or 2 or 3% of that, those voters are likely coming from the Conservative side rather than the Liberals and NDP, said Wollstonecroft. Upstart parties can affect elections even without winning seats by taking away votes from a rival that allows another party to come up the middle and win. Vote splitting on the right between the Tories and Reform helped the Liberals in many ridings during the Jean Chrétien era. I don't think the Conservatives are going to lose seats. If any, there will be very few. But they may fail to win seats, and that's the critical point, said Wollstonecroft. It makes it difficult for the Conservatives because they have to worry about this little yappy dog, Bernier, on their right rear, and they'd rather be worrying about the bigger dogs on the left, he said. 
From Windsor to the Branford area and up to the Bruce Peninsula, the region's 16 ridings are dominated by the Tories. Bernier said he's optimistic about his party's chances in the region. But his focus isn't on taking away conservative votes, but appealing to a wider vote base, he said. The people who are supporting the People's Party of Canada are not only former conservatives, it's former NDP that voted NDP in the last election, and it's liberals that are looking at the Liberal Party and they don't see themselves in the socialistic, sick party of Canada. And the word sick was inserted there for some strange reason. You know, that was the first thing that caught my attention, strangely enough, was that word sick in brackets. And the dictionary would define it as something that's inserted in brackets after a quotation to indicate that it is accurately reproduced, even though it may seem questionable or incorrect. <laughs> well, hmm. So the editor or writer of this article considers Maxime Bernier's use of the word socialistic to be questionable or incorrect when applied to the Liberal Party. Well, that is sick, isn't it? <laughs> You know, I question the correctness of this insertion of sick. If I were to reproduce this article in print somewhere, I'd be forced to put a second sick beside their first sick. Then, of course, someone might question my use of putting a second sick beside the first and be tempted to place a third sick next to mine so that eventually all we'd have is a sick, sick, sick report. Well, yeah, that is what we have. <laughs> I just couldn't resist that. For the record... Bernier's use of the word socialistic was perfectly appropriate and applicable. It's liberals that are looking at the Liberal Party and they don't see themselves in the Socialistic Party of Canada, he says. Since this is definitely not a, an issue of grammar or of word usage, it's clear that either the paper's editor or the writer does not believe that the Liberal Party is socialistic and has, by inserting the word sick inappropriately, actually added his or her own bias and commentary to the report. Call me picky, because I am. Especially when it's so easy to pick out bias that would appear invisible to anyone who was not at the event being reported on, or who just takes all this in without thinking. Another thing that bothered me. Take, for example, the passport-sized photo of Maxime Bernier that accompanied the print version in the London Free Press. Just a picture of Maxime's headshot from his neck to the top of his head. Now, a picture's worth a thousand words, and this one would have told a narrative in words that the left dare not utter. Here we have an article that's all about introducing a slate of candidates to the area being served by the London Free Press, and there's no photo of the candidates. They were all standing together on the stage throughout two entire speeches, one made by Salim Mansour and the other by Maxime. Had there been a visual of all the candidates on the stage, which any of you can view on Just Right's own YouTube channel, it would have been pretty hard to justify the line, quote, the party's been dogged by early growing pains, including the resignation earlier this week of an entire riding association over concerns about racism among its supporters. Well, not only is that sentence a non-sequitur to the content of the rest of the article, but had the paper printed a photo of the candidates on stage, it would have been impossible to miss just how multiracial and multi-ethnic the candidates up there were. Now, I'm not going to say that any of them were multicultural, or otherwise they wouldn't have been candidates for the PPC, because the PPC represents a single culture, Canadian culture. And it's just repeatedly amazing to me 
how it is that most of the people screaming out to have this country's culture preserved seem to be from these multi-ethnic and multi-racial groups. And of course, Salim Mansour himself is the epitome of this representation. Worse than being a non-sequitur and not belonging in this report, the sentence makes no sense on its own merit. Why would an entire riding association board, quote-unquote, resign because of racism concerns among its supporters? That didn't make any sense to me. No political party, public personality, or anyone in the public eye has any control or say over the opinions or conduct of someone who might support them. And if they're talking about the PPC membership supporters, it's always been Maxime Bernier's policy to kick them out of his party. He repeatedly says that the PPC is not a home for racists and bigots, which again is exemplified by both his candidates and the racial makeup of a huge segment of his supporters. However, since the free press brought it up, I checked into this ridiculous assertion and found an explanation for it in the very left-wing and socialistic, sick, newspaper known as the Toronto Star. But before we continue with our deconstruction of that article and continuing with the London Free Press article, yes, there's actually a lot more to say about that one too. First, here's some mainstream media coverage of other PPC events held around the country over the past week or so. On this side of the bumper, a report from Alberta, and on our return side of the bumper, a panel discussion on Bernier's announcement in Mississauga last week regarding the PPC's immigration policy. Former Tory MP and cabinet minister hoping to tear support from the Conservatives in the next election is touring Alberta this week. Maxine Bernier, now leader of the People's Party of Canada, rolled into Greater Edmonton this morning. Bernier unveiled candidates in St. Albert this afternoon, then hosted a rally in Sherwood Park. We asked Bernier about a photo posted by Press Progress. The publication says the men posing with Bernier at a stampede event are members of Northern Guard, a group with anti-Muslim and neo-Nazi ties. I'm a politician and every person who asks me for a photo, I don't look at their background. You know, it's, it was a public event and these people came to the public event. What I'm saying to people, you know, people who don't share our values are not welcome in our party. Uh, people who are racist and, and anti-Semitist, they're not welcome in our party. Bernier says his party has a full slate of Alberta candidates and says he's the only federal leader who would stand up for Alberta. A People's Party government will substantially lower the total number of immigrants and refugees we accept every year from 350,000 a year to between 100 and 150,000. Instead of making it easier to enter to Canada, like the Liberals are doing right now, we will make it more difficult by fencing off the areas where it takes place, such as the Bernier plans to cut immigration levels by more than 50% and erect a fence, as you heard right there, to keep people from crossing over the border in between official points of entry. Melissa, I'll start with you. Your take? 
Well, I, I think it's actually a difficult conversation to have um, in terms of uh, in terms of immigration because anytime you talk about uh, immigration policy in this country, you're called a racist. Whether it talks about the levels of immigration or how they get in, uh, I think it would be better off if, if during election period we actually had a substantive policy conversation about what's wrong with our immigration system. And I suspect that's not going to be able to happen when you've got um, you know Mr. Bernier on uh, on one side and frankly the the liberals on the other. Uh, Tim, what do you think? <laughs> well, that was an interesting spin, Melissa. I think the challenge is this, and, and when you actually look at kind of polling support for immigration and the views about it, there's a significant difference between those who vote conservative, and I'm not saying conservative politicians, but the, those who vote conservative and those who vote liberal, although the Greens, the, interestingly, kind of sway towards the conservative side, in which the opposition to, to immigration, the notion that we need to be stricter is, is kind of like the flip story of liberals and NDP supporters. So one supports it, one doesn't. And so the challenge politics, so he, uh, Bernier, is speaking to a group of people who could vote his party or conservative, where that kind of message is a higher degree of resonance, which creates a bit of a problem. I mean, there, you know, look, uh, the, when you look at it, substantively there isn't really a problem with immigration we need it to maintain our economy we need it to grow uh, and when you look at the challenge in those places uh, where we did have you know somewhere in the last kind of about 15,000 people a year crossing illegally it's now half that amount and the government's in the process of trying to fix the the challenge in the safe third-party country agreement in the United States to to reduce that even more so I think illegal immigration isn't, or refugees who aren't coming through the proper process is being dissipated as a problem and uh, uh, letting immigrants in has different views politically but is an important part of building our country. Yeah, I think but it's, I it's almost two, yeah, and I'll get to one second, um, Andrew. It's just two, it's, I think it's two different discussions and I, and I understand your take on the numbers. I think as those numbers ebb and flow though, the discussion changes as well, right? Like if the problem is yeah. present and we're looking at it, people are, there are genuine concerns over it. The government at first, years ago when it started happening was saying, no, we don't even need to touch the safe third country agreement. Now they're looking at modernizing it. We don't know what that will look like. I I think there is, a, as to Melissa's point, a substantive conversation that could be had about that. Is erecting a fence, Andrew, you know, the way to deal with that issue? Well, let's go back. I want to pick up on Tim's point, though, because I think that he's uh, not exactly uh, reading the numbers the right way. Let's understand that today the Liberal government is allowing in fewer skilled immigrants than the Conservative government was in 2015, where the increases come and where they're projecting a big increase, almost 100,000 more a year is on the family uh, entry category and the refugees. That's a huge increase. So when we're trying to talk about the value of immigration to the economy, bringing in skilled workers, the bring game, that's one group. That is flatlined under this administration and still basically bringing in Harper error policies in terms of those numbers. Now Bernie wants to dial that back. But it's driven by the fact that there has been this decision by the Liberal government to increase so rapidly the number of the family uh, reunification category and the refugee category that people are conflating these issues. And I think that's really problematic. There was a study just recently uh, released by the Public Policy Forum that shows that although in polite company people don't like to talk about this, about 40%, a little more than 40% of, of Canadians were open to the idea of significantly dialing back the amount of unskilled uh, labor-driven uh, immigration. And more than a third of Canadians supported doing that on skilled immigrants. So this may be uh, a piece that we would like to push out of the corners of polite society, but it's very much being discussed uh, out and about in the country, and I think that we need to be mindful of what's driving that 
and what the appropriate solutions are in response. I've, I've got less than a minute. Melissa? And the problem is, is that we can't actually have a conversation in the in the context of an election about this because why every we're time, having one right now? Every time, every time a political party says they want to dial back the number or reform the system or focus on uh, skilled, educated immigrants or 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 not have people jump the queue or fix uh, the but border issue. But the antidote issue, to that is putting forward very specific solutions. And, and, and I'm sure that parties will put, to, uh, put forward very specific p solutions, but you have a Liberal government who, from, from one side, of, is increasing uh, the numbers, and frankly, it's a bit of virtue signaling, because at the same time, you have a Prime Minister who has barely said anything about a province where you can't wear a hijab and teach in a public school. So I what does that say to I, uh, I gotta go. I'm so sorry. I'm out of time. Thank you, everyone. Thanks so much to the Power Panel, Tim Murphy, Melissa Lansman, and Andrew Thompson. That was from CBC News, while the Alberta report on the previous side of the bumper was a global news report. Now, in reference to that alleged racial event regarding the PPC in Winnipeg, I found this July 18, 2019 Toronto Star article written by Alex Boutillier of the Ottawa Bureau with the heading, People's Party Winnipeg Board resigns over concerns party harboring racists and conspiracy theorists. Almost in the same words as repeated in the London Free Press. And I quote, out of Ottawa, Maxime Bernier has lost five Winnipeg riding executives over concerns his People's Party of Canada is harboring racists, anti-Semites, and conspiracy theorists. In an open letter to Bernier published on Facebook Tuesday, the five senior members of the People's Party Elmwood Transcona Riding Association, including the prospective candidate for the party, announced they were leaving the party. The group said the biggest problem the PPC faced locally was our own supporters, quote-unquote. Racist, bigots, anti-Semites, and conspiracy theorists have a large presence in the public conversation surrounding the People's Party of Canada, the letter reads. Many of these PPC supporters would deny freedoms to Canadians and close our physical and economic borders. Many more spread disinformation and distrust online via their personal and sometimes official party channels. We are appalled to see it encouraged with a wink and a nod now. Willows Christopher, who was seeking the party nomination in the Winnipeg riding, told the Star Thursday that there was no particular breaking point between the party and the riding association. Instead, he described it as a slow drain over weeks due to Bernier and the party's perceived acceptance of fringe positions and personalities. Every time we saw someone in the party post something racist or conspiracy-driven, or at any time Max doubled down on immigration issues, it drove us in the other direction, Christopher said. I couldn't in good conscience associate myself with some of the people, including Electoral District Association members and regional organizers. Christopher says he still respects Bernier and doesn't necessarily blame him personally for the issues. Christopher intends to run as an independent candidate in the riding, which has been held by the New Democrats for most of its history. If you're not going to vote PPC in October, vote Green, he added, end quote. An absolutely hilarious recommendation by someone supposedly concerned about immigration issues, given that the Green Party apparently would support many of the PPC's positions on immigration. And even if someone in the general public is an avowed racist and supports whatever party they want, how does that translate into that party, quote, harboring racists, end quote? What a ridiculous assertion. 
What's important to the party is the political leanings of its candidates and its riding association members, who in this case, and according to this Toronto Star article, definitely themselves do not belong in the PPC and good riddance to them. There are, of course, no examples offered of any post of something racist or conspiracy-driven, so I'm forced to dismiss this as fake news. What do they possibly mean by conspiracy-driven? What, that Trudeau has an agenda to make this country a post-national country without any national identity? That Trudeau's own multicultural policies, all defined by skin color, ethnicity, and other factors beyond those for which one can be held responsible, are in themselves racist? That's what we're getting out of the Trudeau government. How come nobody's picking on his party for being racist? When Christopher's quoted as saying, every time Max doubled down on immigration issues, it drove us in the other direction, I have to ask myself, what the hell is this idiot doing in the PPC in the first place? Was there ever any doubt that immigration was among the PPC's central themes and platforms from day one? And immigration is not about race or conspiracy. Give it a break already. Jesus is getting me pissed off, I tell you. So this fake news item then gets picked up by the London Free Press writer who inserts a reference to this Winnipeg story without a hint of what the original story was about in the first place into the London article about an event being held in London. Like, bias anyone? Then there's the London Free Press headline, People's Party Unveils Close to Full Slate of Candidates in Southwestern Ontario. Not inaccurate, one could call it factual, but irrelevant in the context of what was announced at the event. For example... I do want to comment on how fantastic this crowd is. I mean, we are, we are a growing group. We're the fastest growing political party in Canada. We are making history day after day. You do realize that, right? We have more members than the Green Party, who has been around since the 1980s. And, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm afraid to say anything because Max is going to speak and, you know, suddenly he's like, oh good, I can't say that. I can't say that. I can't say that. You're free. <laughs> and this is why I joined the People's Party. It really is. You make me proud. You make me proud to be Canadian. And you know, when we started the People's Party 10 months ago in September, September the 14th, our expectation was to build a national party. And that was a big task. But today, with our 41,000 members and our EDAs and writing association all across the country, and also with our candidates, with you. It is not a dream anymore. It is a reality. And I just want to let you know that uh, our executive director, Joanne Meunier, called me five minutes before this uh, event. And she said, Maxime, I have a good news for you. I said, OK, what's the news? <laughs> I like good news. <laughs> she said, we have today 300 candidates approved by Election Canada. <laughs> More than the Green, more than the NEP, more than the Liberals, 
And wow. you know, we will have, oh yes, we will have 338 candidates all across the country in the coming couple of weeks from now. So from listening to that, it sounds more to me like what Bernier announced was not just close to a full slate of candidates for southwestern Ontario, but close to being a full slate for the whole country of Canada. And only one candidate, Perth Wellington, did not have a PPC candidate announced at the time. And the paper also reported that there was no candidate for the riding of London Fanshawe. John DeMole, London Fanshawe. Then there's the insertion of the opinions of Peter Wollstonecraft, a retired University of Waterloo political scientist, in a detour that comprises one-third of the London Free Press entire coverage of the event in London. Bernier's party, which bills itself as an advocate of key conservative principles, might siphon votes from the Tories because both share similar values, said Peter Wollstonecraft. Well, Wollstonecraft seems to think that just because people call themselves conservatives that they are. Now, south of the Canadian border, Americans refer to Republicans in name only as rhinos, R-I-N-O. And in Canada, I think we have a teeming number of people who are conservatives in name only. And you'd call that a C-I-N-O, but pronounce it as C-N-O, as in see no conservatives, hear no conservatives, speak no conservative. (laughs) You know, see no freedom, see no globalism, see no Islamism, see no climate science. These are all key and fundamental differences between the party that calls itself conservative and the PPC. Now, for those who are new to our show, and for those who might just appreciate a reminder, the reason we begin every broadcast of Just Right with the phrase, not right-wing, just right, is because what often gets associated with the right-wing is not to be found on the right at all. It's these senos, conservatives in name only, or Republicans in name only. It's the same issue. Wollstonecraft refers to Maxime Bernier as, quote, this little yappy dog, end quote, that might allow the PPC to take 2 or 3% of the Conservative Party's votes, which sounds a lot like the famous last words uttered by the experts who said the same kind of thing about Donald Trump during the Republican primaries and then the 2016 election. Well, I got news for him. Some political dogs can bite. And Bernier is proving himself to be a lot like Trump in this very important regard. When you vote for a political party or candidate in an election, your vote does not permanently belong to that party or candidate, and they keep talking like it does. And when a writ is drawn up for an election, a process popularly called dropping the writ, sick, then no party or candidate has any votes or electoral support at that point in time. Once that writ goes down, everybody's got zero votes. All of them begin at the zero line at the starting gate. The notion of vote splitting comes from this misunderstanding, this myth. Quote, upstart parties can affect elections even without winning seats by taking away votes from a rival that allows another party to come up the middle and win. Vote splitting on the right between Tories and reform helped the liberals in many ridings during the Jean Chrétien era, they report. Yet this is another irrelevant observation included in a news report that is about the introduction of candidates in the southwestern Ontario region. That's what the headline was about. That's what the event was about. Why do I need to read political theory that I can read over and over and over and over again for the past 200 years? It hasn't changed. Most remarkable at all, in my opinion, 
is that Salim Mansour, who was billed as the star candidate of the PPC London event, was only mentioned once in the article as a Western University professor and avowed critic of Islamic extremism. And the entire content of his speech and the reaction to it was completely ignored. Instead, the London Free Press lineage was wasted on some other commentary unrelated to what was happening at the event. This is what passes for journalism in today's mainstream media. Objectivity, and perhaps more importantly, the necessity of separating and distinguishing published items as either news or commentary have both become irrelevant in today's fake news environment. Now coming up next, from Global News, out of Alberta, Maxime Bernier in an interview regarding everything from pipelines to climate change to immigration, racism, and yes, splitting the vote. Maxime Bernier started the People's Party of Canada in 2018 after he resigned from the Conservative. He's been on tour uh, in Alberta and joins us now so we can get a better understanding of just what the PPC is before that election coming up uh, in October. That's just around the corner. Thank you for being here. Thank you for this invitation. Let's first talk about uh, your trip to Alberta and how it's been. Uh, it was very successful. I'm very happy. I was here for a week. I'm leaving today. Uh, I did tour the province and the reception was uh, great and positive everywhere. People uh, are ready for a new option, a new political party that will speak about the, the real challenges that we have in this country. Well, one of the challenges uh, we've been talking about uh, extensively in Alberta is pipelines. Yeah. Um, you would scrap Bill C-48 and 69, is that right? Uh, absolutely, and also the most important, we will use the Constitution to be sure that after consultation, the federal government will be able to build pipelines. When you do that, the federal government will have the full authority and the full responsibility, and so you'll be able to have a pipeline all across the country. So what you mean by that is you would override and what any of the provinces absolutely, wanted to do? Absolutely. We will impose a pipeline on provinces that uh, don't want to have a pipeline. And that's uh, under the, the legislative uh, the tools that we have at the federal level. And we must use that. And we must have the courage to use it. But it's too bad that the other politicians uh, don't speak about that. Your trip here in Alberta coincides with uh, Prime Minister Trudeau being here as well, and he confirms that construction on the Trans Mountain Pipeline is going to start any week now, any moment now. What are your thoughts about uh, the uh, way this process is you going? Know, I don't believe that. We must privatize that pipeline. That's the most important. And streamline the, the process, the environmental process. That's uh, important. And after that, after consultation, yes, they use the constitution and, and being, we need, the private sector need, needs to be able to build pipeline in this country. Uh, equalization payments, always a hot topic, yeah. always gets people going for sure. Um, you're from Quebec, you yeah. say Alberta's giving 20, $20 billion that uh, other provinces received on the equalization money, that's a transfer payment every, every year. And yes, we must uh, change the formula, the formula is not fair, not fair for Quebec, not fair for Alberta, but also being less generous. And I'm the only politician to speak about that. I think that's why we had a great reception here in Alberta and across the, the country. People uh, know that I'm saying that in English and in French, and that's important. I understand the frustration that you have here in Alberta. And it's so important for the unity and the prosperity of our country to change that formula. It is too bad that Henry Scheer and the other leaders uh, are, don't speak about that. You say you would scrap the carbon tax, but what would you do uh, as, a as the leader of the PPC to um, protect the environment? 
first of all on climate change we'll do nothing and uh, we won't sign the Paris Accord we won't try to achieve the targets in the Paris Accord that's the that's the difference between us and Lucia and on the environment we will uh, invest and have a concrete uh, reform in environment concrete investment for being sure that we can swim in our lake uh, fish in our rivers so clear lake clear river that will be important but on climate change no Paris Accord and Lucia and uh, Justin Trudeau are the same about that subject everybody wants to be sure, Scheer and Trudeau wants to be sure to uh, achieve this target and Scheer will impose more regulations, he will give subsidies to the green uh, industry, uh, he will impose a tariff on the big emitters and Trudeau will impose a carbon tax. So if you don't want to have any taxes or regulation about climate change, we're the only party. Do you believe in man-made climate change? I believe that uh, climate change, the main, uh, the main uh, reason that why we have climate change, uh, it is not mainly because of human activity. It is not the principal uh, factors, human activity. But I believe that human activities uh, have something to do with that. But most importantly, there's, I'm not a scientist, but the sun, the oceans have a bigger role than the mankind. But yes, mankind can be a factor, but not the main factor for climate change. We have to move on to immigration and your policies there. There's been a lot of talk around this. You want to lower the number of immigrations yes. coming in. Yes. And you say they have to be contribute to society. Does that mean they have to have a job when they come in? What are you? Right now, only 26% of our migrants uh, are economic immigrants, so they have a job. And more than 70% of them uh, don't have any job. They're coming under the uh, reunification of family or they are refugees. So we must change that. We must have a bigger ratio of economic immigrants, and our immigration must be there to fulfill fulfill the economic needs of our country. So uh, instead of having only 26% of our immigrants that are economic immigrants, it must be 80-85%. But globally, we must have uh, fewer immigrants, you're right. There has been a lot of concern about the People's Party of Canada being able to keep racists out of the party. What would you say to that? They're not welcome. They're not welcome. And, uh, you know, I'm doing a public event. Everybody can come. We don't do any screening to our events. We want to speak to more people. Uh, and uh, But for me, uh, I want to have the support of people who believe in our ideas. And, and we're not uh, anti-immigration and we're not for mass immigration. We just want freer immigrants. And I'm looking at what happened in other countries in Europe. We don't want that in this country. We want people to be able to uh, participate in our society and people who share our Canadian values. So that's, uh, that's why we want fewer immigrants and being sure that these people would be able to participate to our society. You're a very experienced politician and yet you showed up in a picture with members of the Northern Guard here in Calgary. You said you don't screen people who come I to these events, but how would you explain that uh, these extreme groups are attracted to the PPC? I don't have to explain that, you know. Uh, they, they, they look at our platform and they must know that uh, we don't share the same values. And uh, yes, I'm taking photos with a lot of people and I don't have time and we don't do background check on them before taking a photo. Uh, Everybody is welcome, but the people that uh, are welcome in our party are people who share our values, our Canadian values. Uh, just a few more as we uh, wrap up here. Um, are you concerned that um, you're going to split the vote on the right 
come this election. And do you care? I know you're not a fan of Andrew Scheer and the uh, Conservatives anyway. No, no, I can. First of all, Andrew Scheer and the Liberals on a lot of uh, subjects are the same. Andrew won't balance a budget in two years. He will do that in uh, five years. Uh, he won't cut corporate welfare. He won't speak about the equalization. He won't tell you that he's ready to use the Constitution and to impose pipeline. So he's not the solution for the frustration of uh, Albertans and also other Canadians. And what I'm saying, I don't believe that uh, Justin Trudeau will be able to elect one candidate in Alberta, and the choice in Alberta is between us, uh, the real conservative, and the fake one, or the fake one of uh, Andrew Scheer. So, but I, I can tell you that I will take care of Quebec, and I'm coming from Quebec, and I can tell you that uh, the People's Party of Canada will have some seats in Quebec, and, uh, and that will hurt Justin Trudeau. So my job is to be sure that we will have a new government, and I hope it will be a PBC government. If you had to choose between Trudeau and Scheer, who would it be? <laughs> Maxime Bernier. Okay, fair enough. Uh, final one for you. You've been called the Albertan from Quebec, and you've also been called Mad Max. What yeah. do you say to those nicknames? My, first of all, I'm very proud to be the Albertan from Quebec because I, I share the free market values, the freedom values, individual responsibility, and for me it's a compliment. And Mad Max, you know, I'm mad about what's happening in our country, mad about the federal government, mad about the Trudeau government, and mad about also my former colleagues that uh, are not conservative anymore. So, yes, let's have a change, and let's start a real common sense revolution in this country. Maxime Bernier, leader of the People's Party of Canada, thanks for taking the time today. Merci, thank you very much. Uh, once again, that federal election goes October 17th. Actually, the Canadian election is scheduled to be held on October 21st. That said, the Canada Elections Act does not prevent a general election from being called at another date. <laughs> You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Where, given our limited time, we'll now take a very brief review of some of the key election planks of the People's Party of Canada that you can find on the website of the PPC at www.peoplespartyofcanada.ca. And among them are pipelines. The main point of his whole impetus on this is to approve pipeline projects using a streamlined process and find a private buyer for Trans Mountain, repeal Bill C-48 and Bill C-69. And of course, a very important issue, freedom of expression, protecting Canadians from censorship and discrimination. A People's Party government will restrict the definition of hate speech in the criminal code to expression which explicitly advocates the use of force against identifiable groups or persons based on protected criteria such as religion, race, ethnicity, sex, or sexual orientation. And, of course, they want to repeal Bill C-16 and M-103, and they want to withhold federal funding from any post-secondary institution shown to be violating the freedom of expression of its students or faculty. Foreign policy, a People's Party government, will continue to work closely with our allies to maintain a peaceful international order, but will not get involved in foreign conflicts unless we have a compelling strategic interest in doing so. Prioritize relationships with our main trading and defense partner and work with the Trump administration or whoever occupies the White House to reinforce our friendship and cooperation. Also, withdraw from all UN commitments and liberalize trade with as many countries as possible. Supply management, of course, phase out the supply management system over a number of years to allow farmers to adapt and to compensate them for the lost value of their quotas. On internal trade, get rid of interprovincial trade barriers. Healthcare, give provinces the incentives to deal with wait times and rising costs. 
Ottawa will give up its goods and services tax, the GST, and let provincial and territorial governments occupy this fiscal room. They'll be fully responsible for health care funding and management and fully accountable to their citizens for the results, while Ottawa will respect the Constitution and stop meddling. <laughs> Firearms and firearm ownership. Replace the costly and burdensome licensing system with an efficient lifetime certification system for firearms owners following a mandatory vetting. They would also avoid criminalizing legal gun owners and guarantee their property rights. Just the tip of the iceberg on that one. Now, once again, you know, I keep hearing top on the minds of Canadians is the worrying climate emergency. So if you're looking for conspiracy nuts in a fringe political party, just check out the Liberal and Conservative parties to say nothing of the New Democrats and Greens who all believe that climate change is an emergency that must be fought by way of controlling carbon dioxide emissions. I mean, that's as fringe as you can get if you understand that carbon dioxide is the gas of life, that it's not a pollutant, and does not cause global warming. So here once again, coming up on this side of our next bumper break, this time from Dave Rubin's Rubin Report of January 30th, here's Maxime Bernier on one issue that clearly separates his party from all the others. And when we come back on the other side of the bumper, two global news reports concerning the PPC, one being the interesting fact that Renata Ford, wife of the late Rob Ford, mayor of Toronto, is running for the PPC, and the other concerning the changing political trends that can affect the fortunes of new political parties on the horizon. But speaking about environment, now the debate in Canada, it's climate change. Yeah. So, so everybody wants to do something about climate change, and I'm the only party who said, you know, we won't do anything. Uh, environment in Canada, it's a shared jurisdiction with provinces and the federal government. And I don't believe in the Paris Accord. I don't believe that Canada would be able to achieve the goals that they put in the Paris Accord. And actually, uh, the UN and the uh, radical environmental in Canada said the same thing, that Trudeau want to impose a carbon tax of $20 a ton. And he must impose a carbon tax of at least $200 a ton if he, he wants to achieve his target. So at $20 a ton, it will be only a distortion for the economy and, and hardworking families will pay, will pay higher prices. So that's why, you know, I don't believe in Paris Accord and I think that we must uh, not impose new regulation on that. We must let provinces and other provincial government, if they want, to have a cap and trade like they have here in the U.S. and other kind of a process for that. For us, uh, I want to have a program that will maybe be very strong on clear water, clear air, something that people understand, and having the property rights uh, that will work, and more information. You need more information at the same time to be sure that people will understand if this lake is clear or not. Could Renata Ford, candidate for Etobicoke North, come forward? He's the widow of former Toronto Mayor Rob Ford, and now a and candidate for the new People's the Party of Canada in the fall Toronto federal candidate. election. I felt it was time for me to step up and run for public office. Running in Etobicoke North, the same riding where her brother-in-law, Premier Doug Ford, is a member of provincial parliament, an area where the name Ford usually carries a lot of political weight. 
except Renata Ford is running against the Conservatives, and she's suing the Premier over the estate of her husband and the fortunes of the family business. It's still in front of the courts, and I can't comment on that. Maxime Bernier. Ford says the Conservatives don't belong in office. Maxime Bernier's People's Party does. To be the voice of the people and working for the people. On issues like climate change. There's no climate change urgency in this country. The party's banner. We are starting a common sense revolution. That was a battle cry of Ontario's Conservatives back in 1995 when Mike Harris won office and Doug Ford's father was elected an MPP. Same slogan. Uh, you know, I, first of all, I didn't know that, uh, <laughs> you know, and thank you for telling me that, uh, but that time that will be a real one. <laughs> I've had political background, I've had worked with my husband, and uh, so that, I think that qualifies me. Court documents show Ford is financially strapped with a high interest mortgage on the family home, one she says she's selling. I would like to stay in Etobicoke North. An impaired driving conviction, a substance abuse problem, all behind her, she says. I'm healthier, stronger, I have, you know, great support, and I think a lot of people go through hard times and they come out. Ready for her first political campaign. Sean O'Shea, Global News. People's Party of Canada leader Maxime Bernier says just because his party is new doesn't mean they don't have a shot in the upcoming federal election. And I'm looking what's happening in Europe right now. The Brexit party in UK didn't exist four months before the, uh, U the European election. Four months later, they want all the seats in UK. Look what happened in Australia. So people are fed up with traditional political parties and with the, the political correctness from them. Bernier has been rallying right-wing voters as part of a 10-day tour through Alberta. And in Cardston on Friday, he called Conservative leader Andrew Scheer's platform too centrist. The Conservative Party of Canada under Andrew Scheer, it is not conservative anymore. It is a fake conservative. And Scheer right now is splitting the vote with the Liberals. That is strategy. is going far to the left with the Liberals. Bernier also introduced the candidate for Medicine Hat Cardston Warner, Andrew Nelson, as well as Lethbridge candidate Grant Hepworth. You know, people need, need a hope, basically, need a chance. Uh, the platform as it sits with regards to uh, lower taxation, capital gains exemption, uh, or actually capital gains abolishment, uh, that'll be great for small businesses and such. I'm a small business owner myself. I own a, uh, a vape shop in Lethbridge. Both area candidates are new to politics. Nelson says the party being for the people is what drew him in. I'm pretty much an ordinary Canadian, and this is the People's Party of Canada. So we, we are uh, probably got a, a closer representation of what the population in Canada is after. Bernier says he plans to be back in Alberta before the fall's election, and a visit to Lethbridge is on his list. Danica Ferris, Global News. Speaking of changing political trends, Robert Vaughn and I had the opportunity to meet with the Rebel Media's David Menzies at the PPC London event on July 19th. And here's Robert in conversation with David, who had some very interesting observations about the PPC based on his experience at the Rebel Media. 
If you ask who watches the Watchers, well, we're watching the Watchers because we're here with David the Menzoid Menzies of the Rebel Media. How do you do, David? Oh, I'm doing very well, Robert. Nice to meet you. And you, too. We've been following your uh, career and the, the Rebel for quite a while now. Thank you so and much. And very appreciative of the, the stories that you cover and the manner that you cover them. Well, you know, we are, as our founder, uh, Ezra, would say, we are the last ones really left uh, giving the other side of the story. I mean, well, there's some other alternative media out there, but when I, when I say the last ones left, I mean in terms of the mainstream media, um, a lot of us at Rebel are um, refugees, if I can use that word, yes. of the Sun News Network. Uh, we were politically denied a license to stay on the air by the CRTC back in 2015. And um, when Sun News Network went off the air, Ezra founded uh, Rebel Media, we've gone from strength to strength. We have almost 1.3 million YouTube subscribers. And um, we are just trying to get the other side of the story out there. Uh, whether or not it's politically correct, doesn't matter. The truth is the truth. Right. Now, as a journalist, I'm not going to ask you, oh, uh, you know, uh, party affiliation or who you support or not, but I will ask you this because you have uh, had your boots on the ground for quite a while during yeah. this election. What do you think is the atmosphere out there for the People's Party of Canada? It's a brand new party. Yes. So what do you think the sentiment is out there? I can tell you this, Robert, and this is completely unscientific. This is not an indicator of things that come in October. This would uh, be completely dismissed by any uh, valid polling organization. But I read the comments on the Rebel videos, and I will say this, that when people make a political you know, statement in terms of who they're voting for in October, it's, it's typically go PPC, go Max in 2019. That ratio versus those who say Andrew Scheer all the way, I would say it's about 20 to 1. And um, if you don't take my word for it, please, uh, anyone, go through our comment section. Like I said, that doesn't mean anything in terms of a scientific polling, but it tells you something about the, the conservative base out there. The other thing I continually come across um, are those people who are still committed to voting conservative and uh, voting for Andrew Scheer. What they typically say, nine out of ten times, is that I'm going to hold my nose and divert my eyes and I'm going to mark an X for the Conservative Party because you know, the, the real enemy is Justin Trudeau. We can't afford to have another four years of liberal ruin. I guess what I'm getting at, Robert, is that <laughs> holding one's nose and diverting one's eyes when you speak of a political party or a leader, not exactly a ringing endorsement. And, and there is ultimately a huge frustration out there. We need someone, you know, to be firm and, and, and speak to issues that engage uh, the conservative base, issues that the conservative base support. And I'm sorry, I, I, time and time again, we just don't see that with Mr. Scheer. Do you see it with Maxime Bernier in the People's Party? Oh, 100%. And now, uh, what I guess the contrarian viewpoint is, 
Well, it's easy for Mr. Bernier to be that way if, if uh, you know, because if you look at political parties, any startup political party anywhere, it's, it is a Herculean task, you know, to come into power. So people might say, well, you know, he, he knows he doesn't have a very good chance of winning, so he can say these things. But it is so refreshing to have a federal leader on the stage who um, means what he says and says what he means. And let's keep in mind that going back a couple of years ago to the Conservative Party of Canada uh, nomination, um, it went to 13 ballots. And on the last ballot, Andrew Scheer won by the slimmest of margins, less than 2%. And if you look at what might have ginned that less than 2% uh, margin of victory, it was dairy farmers, yes. you know, and and lo and behold, uh, I just see uh, by yesterday's news, uh, Andrew Shearer suddenly uh, open to um, rewriting the nutrition guidelines, um, and I'm sure, you know, I, 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 too bad we don't have bookies here because I'd like to put a big wager that there's going to be an. Um, a recommendation to drink more milk. <laughs> should, should we have a conservative government? Well, there is a picture out there of uh, Andrew drinking out of a 2% milk carton. Oh. Do you think perhaps he's more 2% conservative or 98% Laurentian elite? Oh, you know what? That I don't know what percent of what percent uh, he represents. I mean, let's. I mean, look at this writing here that we're in, London, Ontario. As you know, uh, last month. Um, you had a very good candidate, uh, Salim Mansour, you know, a scholar, a professor, a columnist, who many thought was going to be the candidate in one of the London writings, and he wasn't. He was, um, and, and no real reason given. I, I reached out to the Conservative Party, didn't hear, and basically it comes down to the fact, and I think Salim Mansour would tell you this himself, that for the Conservative Party of Canada, He's not the right kind of Muslim because he has called out for decades radical Islam. Mm -hmm. And I think the unspoken story here, Robert, is that Andrew Scheer is so terrified that the so-called mean girls in the media party will start cherry-picking um, statements uh, that, were, that has been made by um, uh, Mr. Mansour in the past and um, try to paint a narrative of Islamophobia. Now, can you imagine that? <laughs> Calling a Muslim Islamophobic. Meanwhile, we have seen Andrew Scheer posing with uh, Omar Supadar. This is somebody who advocates for Sharia law. This is somebody who says that to discipline your wife, do so with a heavy stick. Are you kidding me? Is that um, the Conservative Party of Canada's right kind of Muslim in 2019? Maybe because he has some pull in get, getting votes? That is atrocious. And I'm telling you, people, when that happened, that's when I started to see an uptick of a lot of people saying, that's the last straw. You know, even with holding my nose and um, diverting my eyes, I cannot support this. I think, personally, it's a tragedy. I think, given the mismanagement of this economy, and I, actually, I'll, I'll go further, the vandalism of this economy, given the energy policy of this current government, given all the, the scandals, you know, Admiral Mark Norman, SNC-Lavalin, Jody Wilson-Raybould, um, the, the Kokanee Grope, um, the disastrous India trip, I would say that anyone right now running for the Conservative Party of Canada should have a significant double-digit lead in the polls, but 
That is not the case. And you tell me why that is not the case. Well, thank you very much, David. Very okay, candid, <laughs> very candid statements there from a journalist. But thank you very much. Well, I appreciate your time, and yeah. uh, thank you for having me on. Okay. okay, take care. Wow, some very interesting insights by David there. What the experiences of both Salim and Maxime illustrate is that the Conservative Party of Andrew Scheer is no different than Justin Trudeau's Liberal Party. Maxime is demonstrating himself to be a leader and not a follower, something this country has been lacking for far too long now. The next chapter of this Canadian election will, in essence, be no different than the next chapter in the U.S. election and in U.K.'s Brexit strategy. The problem will be dealing with the fake news media, and that's an issue that affects all of us directly, elections or not, something that, as always, demands our eternal vigilance. And with that thought in mind, be sure to join us again next week when we'll continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. And I'm here to talk about leadership today. And if you want to know about a country, you got to look at the first leader, right? You got George Washington in the U.S., you got Johnny McDonald here. A lot of similarities between George and John. When I was researching it, I was amazed to discover. George Washington, a military genius from Virginia. Johnny McDonald, a Scottish lawyer from Kingston. <laughs> Just a coincidence? George Washington brutally put down the Whiskey Rebellion in 1794. In 1884, Johnny McDonald revived the Whiskey Rebellion.